Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 161.5. I'm Kaylin. Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to have two recordings a week. This is our regular issue, is our five issue, um, which is released on Mondays. And every Friday, you can check out Crossing Swords which covers the massive crossover, Ten of Swords, that's currently going on in the X-Books. Uh, in those, we're going to do a deep dive of each of the chapters, and we have uh, guest podcasters from X-Reads Podcast, the podcast that goes Snicks, uh, Comic Book Queers, and House of X. And so for our regular issue, I'm going to turn it over to Brent. All right, this week, uh, we're going to do something spooky. Snyder says, fuck you, let's double down on any legitimate criticisms. <laughs> <laughs> the Iron Fist is getting a new storyline with a great writer. DC will try a slightly different model for its future state series. Uh, there are two very different universes that are getting a reboot sequel thing. Clark's got something. Watch out. And the issues. All right, let's start out with our spooky thing. The unrelenting passage of time and our own inevitable, inevitable demise. Uh, Kaylin, you had a birthday this week. Happy birthday. Thank you. How do you feel now that you're? Um, I feel a year older, but a year dumber. Definitely not wiser. That's everyone this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I forgot how to do math. Like I don't even mean like long division. I mean like I don't know what two plus two is. You forgot short division. Yeah. Well, happy birthday, Kaylin. Thank you. All right. Uh, we don't really have any real spooky things, uh, so we're just going to move on. <laughs> so, news flash. As a part of Zack Snyder's Justice League director's cut coming to HBO Max, there are reshoots to fill extra scenes, and lo and behold, Jared Leto will be reprising his role as the Joker in several of those scenes. The movie is going to be released as a four-part series, and given that Jared Leto's Joker wasn't in the original, how do you guys foresee a potential way to include him in this guaranteed magnum opus? Uh, <laughs> Ryan, let's start with you. Uh, it seems like because there, there were so many flashbacks <clears throat> from uh, Batman versus Superman, and there was like uh, alluding to a lot of Joker stuff. There's like a card floating around in one of those like uh, uh, like flashbacks or whatever. So I'm thinking that they will just be memories of Batman. I don't think he's actually going to play an integral part into the actual plot itself. It feels like an Easter egg, an extended Easter egg for something later, maybe, is what I'm thinking. And probably what I'm hoping for, I'm not hoping for anything with this movie, but like, eh, if you got to do it, I guess use that. Caitlin, what do you think? I feel like once this finally is on HBO Max, we all watch it. At the very end, uh, Zack Snyder is going to come out and just go, the aristocrats. Because I feel like every, <laughs> every bit of news I hear about this, I'm like, this, this, this is just getting worse. It's just getting worse. And it was already bad to begin with. And I'm like, yeah. like the worst Joker that like, they've ever had, including Cesar Romero. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, you know RIP. But like, Nothing wrong. No, Cesar Romero is actually a lot of fun. Uh, but like, this is just getting, it's just, it's just so bad. Brent? Do you think that, um, you know, now that they're going to have Jared Leto doing the reshoots, 
that HBO Max is also going to pay for his wacky pranks where he sends dead pig heads to his other actors or condoms full of cum. Uh, <laughs> or part of the uh, movie. Yeah, though I am... Uh, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Will Smith needs more uh, wet condoms. Um, <laughs> no, I think that they're definitely going to... I'm assuming they would build it more into the front end of like giving... It's not, if you're gonna have fucking like what? So four different parts, probably at least an hour to an hour and a half each. I mean, there's gonna be some like more pre-introduction and it's gonna be very exhausting to have to be bothered with additional inflation of what is already a really boring plot and characters. Um, so I'm not looking forward to any of it. I'm gonna watch all of it and I'll probably be drunk through most of it. I, I hope there's a scene basically where it's all of the Justice League and then they just super fucking impose the Joker next to like fucking <laughs> Wonder Woman or something. <laughs> just so stupid. And they're like, I guess we're taking on Dark Side now. Yeah. And you're like, don't care at all. I, I want his reshoots to be so bad because he's so shitty in the role and just the overall thing makes no sense that they spend like $5 million filming those reshoots and then they just... They have like one little thing at the end and like the one piece of footage of him laughing in the shadows. Or or they use the old Suicide Squad footage that they never used in the yeah. film. The one where he's on the car just going like, ah! Like you know, Ryan, I think they should use the exact same footage they used in the film. <laughs> they just put that in and be like, look, the rest of it was unusable. We couldn't. And just put uh, Wonder Woman's face over Harley Quinn and just be like, it's yeah. done, it's fine. <laughs> All right, moving on. So in comic news, um, iconic G.I. Joe writer Larry Hama will be working on the brand new Iron Fist comic series, Iron Fist, a.k.a. Danny Rand, comma, the immortal. Um, obviously, <laughs> not, I'm joking, but uh, it will be it will be called Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, and it's coming out in January of next year. So Iron Fist is supposed to be teaming up with the other deadly weapons to stop whomever is killing the dragons that power the heavenly cities. Um, what can we expect from a writer like Larry Hama? Or am I saying that right, Hama? Kalen? Yeah, I mean, like, he's super old school. I mean, he has a beloved run um, G.I. Joe from the 80s uh, and early 90s. And then with um, IDW uh, publishing G.I. Joe right now, they brought him back to, like, kind of, like, continue the, the classic run. Hmm. But more importantly, he also wrote Wolverine for the longest time. Like, he was the longest running Wolverine writer when uh, back in the, I would, I want to say like it started like in 90, 91. Um, he's a perfectly fine writer. Um, he's very old school. He knows how to write an action scene, or at least he did. One of the most iconic issues of GI Joe was the silent issue uh, where it was just snake eyes, like breaking into like, you know, Castle Cobra. It was so beloved that Joe Casada, when he was editor in chief of Marvel in the early 2000s had an entire like nuff said month where every issue of Marvel being published that month was silent. It was the, uh, the iconic uh, issue of New X-Men that Grant Morrison wrote and Frank quietly drew where uh, Jean um, and Emma like go into Professor X's head and they realize the whole deal about Cassandra Nova. Uh, so it could be fine. I don't know. I've never loved Iron Fist comics except for when Ed Brubaker and Fra Matt Fraction wrote theirs like in the late 2000s. Um, but other than that, like, he's a better, like, kind of side character than he is, like, a main character in his own series. I mean, he's using the deadly weapons, which were from 
that era. So yeah, hopefully True. they'll be at least interesting in there. And I do love all of them. Yeah, I don't know um, Iron Fist in the comics. I only know him as the Is it? impotent, limpless uh, character on screen. Uh, <laughs> and know, what's Brady, his most famous quote, Brent? It's, uh, watch out, I'm going to punch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Someone sing the Patsy Walker song for me, please. Uh, How's that one go? I uh, forget. I just want cray to say, cray. I, want, I want your cray cray. Oh, I want your cray cray. For some reason, a little bit of Lexus kept coming into my head. But that's not it. But same. It's halfway honestly. there. Yeah. All, oh, and, I mean, and rain all, on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all songs written by drunk housewives. <laughs> I was going to ask, uh, you know, as a character, like having uh, Larry Hama, Hama, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Um, you know, he wrote... Oh. Wolverine, how how much can he bring from Wolverine to someone like Iron Fist, or are they just so different as loners? I don't think of Iron Fist as a loner. I think like he's always been kind of part of a a team like Heroes for Hire with Luke Cage. Um, you know, he dated a Misty Knight for a long time, and like with the Daughters of the Dragon, he's always been kind of like a not like an Avenger type team player, but definitely a team player with like you know working with a bunch of other street heroes. I think, um, you know, like he'll bring the whole kind of like martial arts aspect of it. Like he kind of like Larry, um, actually it's Larry Ham. Uh, like we're going to start calling him that from now on. <laughs> I do uh, love the way you say ham. Yeah, well, you know, I love me some ham. ham. Uh, but uh, he, he like he'll like he'll do the action scenes well and the rest of it will be kind of boring. I just think that's what it's going to be. Mm hmm. All right, um, so taking a page from international comic book releases, particularly in the UK and Japan, DC will be releasing its Future State series as oversized monthly anthologies rather than individual issues. The Future State is supposed to explore stories of, the, of DC's main heroes in a not too distant future. Um, some of the titles and schedules include uh, The Next Batman, which will be four issues twice monthly. Superman is gonna have several issues, which are, you know, four issues twice monthly. Wonder Woman the same, uh, as long as well as the Justice League, Green Lantern, Suicide Squad. Do you guys think this is just a, a gimmick to kind of generate excitement for Future State or should more US comics get the anthology treatment? Kalen? So I think this kind of relates to, and I can't remember if they still have it, but they did very, very recently, they had uh, DC Comics had a deal with Walmart where they would publish mm -hmm. comics just that were available in Walmart. And it was like Superman and Batman had their own thing. And they're finally like releasing them now, like through like a digital as well, uh, as, well as in, in comic book stores. I think this is the purpose of it is to be able to, to be sold in stores like that, where, you know, like the, you had like the manga compendiums. I know Adam, you love the like, like, like Shonen Jump and uh, Pulp. Um, this is going to try to fit that mold. It's never worked super well for American superhero comics, but I kind of applaud DC for trying it because it, um, if, you, if you're paying $4 for a comic that takes you three minutes to read, I think you'd rather pay $8 for a comic that's going to take you half an hour or 45 minutes to read. I think it's a better value for your money and you get three or four stories per, per issue uh, I think um, work, especially if it's not just a regular anthology where you're only getting like 
eight pages per story, but you're actually getting 20 to 25 pages per story. Clark? Now, will these be on time? Not on time, but if they're going out Walmart and everything, and as if you're saying for the other ones, will they take five months to get on the internet? Or not on the internet, but on Comixology? No, I think- if they're, I think if they're trying to get Walmart money, they're not going to do it the same day. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be all at the same time, but that's a good question. I, um, they were- they did have that Walmart deal was going to go on during the, um, during the crisis, but they canceled them all. And now we know why they canceled them all. Cause they were going to do this instead. They were going to do like a Superman one, Batman one, et cetera, et cetera. Wonder Woman. I, yeah, I think, I think the, uh, the, there's actually a benefit to the coronavirus for this kind of business model, because <clears throat> you're the people who are going to be consuming at Walmart might be a very different population than the people who are just going to wait for it to come out online. And you could actually get more money from having to be separated over time or even set simultaneously. Adam? Well, and I, I think in general, it makes sense for kind of these series that are obviously, we tried to talk about this last week, I think, which was like, where there's obviously going to probably hopefully be some really good stories told, especially with all these kind of like new original alternative takes on characters. But I, you know, it's an easy fall off point if you just buy like one standard issue. If it doesn't immediately grab your attention, you're like, well, okay, never mind. I won't, I won't check that out. Whereas I really, I'm a huge fan of, of trade paperbacks and just generally condensed where it's like, they, they can still be multiple stories or multiple chapters or whatever it is, but like take me on a journey a little bit so that I'm hungry for more. So I'm hoping that, that, that this will end up paying dividends for them um in in the respect that it'll, it'll hook people or they'll at least get more money out of people before they drop it after reading one set of issues <laughs> rent i think though you and you know perhaps a lot of people consume content in the millennial binge way that like you would rather find out about a really good show several seasons in so that you can consume 100 percent. like i re i mean Baby Teeth would be an example of, of something like it's released so infrequently mm. that why don't you just like do the whole thing? I'll chip in in Patreon or something so that you can produce all of it and then give me the final output. Kaylin? Brent, you uh, are so lucky that you didn't start reading Berlin in the 90s oh. when it was published issue oh by issue. God. You would have like, you would have gone crazy not being able to like see the whole story of the Weimar Republic over like, like it lasted longer than the Weimar Republic. The comic did. It's insane. Yeah. I, I think you could have just gone on Encyclopedia Britannica in that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I do think just to kind of wrap this up too, like it, what I love is that this might also be able to help them get a few storylines out. Cause one of my biggest annoyances for both TV shows, as well as for, comics or just media in general is like don't get me I am a huge like I need to see it before I commit to it but it's because I don't want to end up with a cliffhanger or I don't want to end up in the middle of a storyline that doesn't even at least get a sizable act one ending kind of thing right like I just yeah. I can't stand where good storylines get cut off obviously because of sales but at least this might give them more stop gaps to say Oh, at least we can fit these in and close out that that storyline instead of just like well, nope, no more copy. Well, remember, Future State is only for t two months, so yeah. it's like it's basically January and February. So like it's 
it's going to be done and then they'll go back to the regular books. Right. And as we predicted last week, you know, it'll be about like how those books get to that future state or potential right. future state. My favorite thing though is like even if they were single issues, I bet they would still cancel one or two. They're like, you know what, we wrote eight issues. Oh, yeah. We're like, we're just gonna release two and call it a day. Yeah. Clark, did you have something? No, I was gonna say some of those issues probably will just be canceled before they actually fully explain what happened, and then you're gonna have to never find out about that character again. A thousand percent. <laughs> that is exactly what's gonna happen so many times. Just like with I mean, all their fucking reboots. I do think it's an interesting model because it does seem like it's a pretty stacked release schedule. Um, you know, they've got, I think, at least eight confirmed storylines already. And among them, there must be something like 20 issues over two months. Right. It might, you know, do better than some of the, uh, you know, comics we've been critical of, of like Deceased or um, uh, At World's End. Uh, that they feel like they're too spread out. So I think as a, as a f- fuller story, even if you don't love how much, uh, love the story as much, it will still feel a little bit more complete. That's a great, yeah, that's a great point. All right, so Disney Plus has confirmed that it will be creating a sequel to the 1988 cult classic film Willow, which, was, which starred Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer, was directed by Ron Howard, who will now be an executive producer on the show. The series is going to be directed by John M. Chu and is supposed to take place uh, years after the original story, but will feature Warwick Davis in his eponymous role. As my husband, Tristan, asked, huh, really? Why? (laughs) So I asked, huh, really? Why? I'm very excited. I love this. I love this movie so much. I definitely watched. It was probably one of my first three movies I watched when I got Disney Plus in the first place. I don't know. I just enjoyable. I like every character. Warwick Davis Mm -hmm. is wonderful in everything he does. And I don't know. It's just going to be silly and great and interesting at the same time. I'm just trying to find out what actor most likely is going to be playing his children as adults. I mean, for me, I think that it, it it fits in the same realm as Dark Crystal in my oh mind. Oh my god, yes! It's All the same I could think about was Disney has money to spend. What if they bought that and instead of Willow, we got another season of Dark Crystal? But that's just fantasy trading. Yeah, I I'm excited for this. Um, I like Clark. I I love the original like movie. Like I watched it a million times when I was a kid, and like as soon as Disney Plus came up, I like watched it again. It's, uh, it is a fun, it is a fun world. It is also a stupid world. So I'm excited <laughs> to see them expand it and make actually some sense of some things because uh, just like Dark Crystal, like you said, it was like, it expanded on the world in a really cool way. So I'm excited for this. You know, extended universes often try and bring reality to that universe. Not enough trying to add stupidity. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Clark, did you or did anybody read the sequel book series? Of Willow? Yeah, that apparently exists. Uh, uh, I did not. Chronicles I of apparent, the apparent, Didn't like Chris Claremont write those? Yeah. Or am I making that up? No, yeah, it was written by him and George Lucas. That's right. <laughs> oh, God. It, really? It means, I love the idea of two people way past their prime, right? Like, in 2000 being like, let's write this book series. And, and the new TV series is written by Adam Sandler, I assume, because it's just people <laughs> past their prime. 
<laughs> no, he only does Netflix. Hundreds of <laughs> shitty Netflix shows. That's you true. guys are describing the writer equivalent of like one last big score. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just, uh, you know what? We, we got to get this magical universe done. I do. The only thing I get nervous about is that this is such nostalgia bait. Like, I think they'll hopefully do a great job of it. Because, uh, like, Dark Crystal was obviously nostalgia bait and also did a great job before it was canceled. Um, but I really, this is totally them digging into the backlogs and being like, what series can 35 to 45 year old parents watch with their children and watch both of them on Disney Plus? <laughs> Like it just definitely it feels like a little bit of a network pitch, which is which it can still be good, but I just hope it uh it comes together. So um in other reboot kind of news, there's a massive reboot of the Power Rangers in the works, and it's helmed by end of the fucking world creator mm. and Entwistle. It uh it will be kind of like a Power Rangers universe that maintains continuity and spans TV and movies. We've known about the reboot in the works uh, since last December, but uh, it wasn't clear that it would be this ambitious or that it would try and unite so many elements of prior Power Rangers history. Uh, are you guys excited for this? Um, I mean, you I mean know, just based on creators alone, yes. I want to see some really like depressed, quasi suicidal rangers what? who speak in like the most monotone way while horrible things are happening around them you sound like a real power rangers fan uh, <laughs> well that's what happened i mean uh, that series his series is so good but it it's that's the kind of world that he creates well, adam i know i did i know i just said don't be a nostalgia whore but i'm a fucking nostalgia whore for power rangers and it, what's great is that it actually never really went away so they've had tremendous amount of success for TV shows. Mm -hmm. They continue to have success in the comic world. And in fact, I think in the comics, the Power Rangers are not nearly as depressing and, and murder-inducing, I think, as End of the Fucking World, but certainly on the level of like a more dramatic Marvel or uh, DC series. Um, so I am beyond ecstatic to be looking at this, very excited. Um, and I just love that they're building out the universe because I think there's, I didn't fully follow it after I stopped recording it as a kid, but I know that there are like uh, mega fans about this show. And so I think there's a lot of good mythos and and great characters and great storylines to mine for for a bigger, a bigger picture thought. Kaylin? I'm actually kind of excited about the possibility of a Power Rangers multiverse. Uh, because if that's the way that they're going to bring in everything, it's like, you know, you've got like the original TV universe as one like universe. You've got like the movies as another. And then maybe this is something else. And you almost have like a kind of a crisis type, like, you know, uh, parallel universe kind of thing coming together, uh, which sounds like, you know, um, the creator of uh, at the end of the fucking world would would actually do a really great job with. And to Clark's point, maybe having a like kind of a grim dark uh, with like a, maybe like kind of a twisted sense of humor uh, a version of it would be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not a Power Rangers fan. I'm sorry, Ryan. Uh, but um, It's the End of the World uh, was probably one of the best Netflix series of the last two to three years. It's so fucking good. Kaylin, they, they kind of already did that in terms of just alternate universe kind of stuff and bringing, there was one, the ones where they brought all the Red Rangers together yeah. and they were from like different times, different universes, different blah, blah, blah. Oh. Which, cool. yeah, 
I don't know when the hell that was, but like 15 years later, I don't know. I watched it. It was very interesting because I wanted to see some really old ones. But anyway. Yeah, me me too. I I watched it too. It was bad because like Jason looked like shit. The three three Red Rangers after him looked like shit, but you were still excited to see it. Um, This is really exciting. Um, If they do, if they connect everything into it, I think recasting the original cast would be okay. Once again, because obviously let, we can just ignore that movie um, completely. How but dare like, you? Those chicken, <laughs> those like chicken, the bird people. I love them. <laughs> yeah, or the, or the putties. You need putties. If you're going to bring back putties, make them say one simple thing. Just be turkeys. Be turkeys like old times, please. With that all said, the comic is phenomenal. They do so many things with these original cast, but all the Rangers from all the different other time, like zones and like time eras and everything like come into it at some point. It's super exciting for me personally. If, if they even somewhat closely follow like just a little bit of the comics, it'll be awesome. Brent. Brent. We have all the Power Rangers from the different time zones. We've Don't got this time. We've got Greenwich Mean Time. <laughs> Uh, the time zones. No, I, to me, the thing that I find really hard about buying into the Power Rangers universe is that, you know, all the, the, everyone knows the story about how the shows in America were basically they took yeah. all the film that they had in Japan and then uh, just uh, did, they just dubbed over and filmed the, the scenes with them out of costume. Yeah. As, For like, like- and, and I, it's like it, 10 minutes of filming. It's like yeah. 10 minutes. Brian, and the rest is just redone. I love it. it. Brian Cranston needed that voice work, and that's how we got Breaking Bad. So if mm-hmm. you talk shit on the original Power Rangers, mm-hmm. you're talking shit Look, on television. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use whatever happened in history as a domino effect to justify things now. <laughs> I I just think that the thing about the Power Rangers universe to me is that it, it almost seems like a parody. Like, even as a kid, I recognized how bad it looked. And <laughs> still, I, I, have, I feel the same way about Power Rangers that I feel about the monkeys. Like, are they a parody of the Beatles? Are they serious? How am I supposed to feel? Uh, it just, to me, seems like ultimately too ridiculous to make a universe out of Clark. I want there to be one series that's just, are their names Bulk and Skull? Yes. What are, I literally, when I first thought it, I thought Bulk and Scully. So now I want to see one with like the really fat guy and Jillian Anderson, and they're just being dicks to the Power Rangers, you know, throwing trash cans at them and stuff. I I am always fascinated <laughs> on clicking on the what happened to them now of the Power yeah. Ranger. Like anytime there's like a shitty clickbait website that says like want to know what happened to Blank, I'm always on it. Although it is funny because the one that I always remember because we're all in DC is that the original Jason Red Ranger is now an EMT in DC, at least as far as a clickbait website told me maybe five years ago. Um, do you remember, do you remember trying to have heart attacks? <laughs> yeah. Adam, do you, do you remember the, um, the supposed thing that like he became a Sean Cody model and there was some guy that looked mildly yes, like yes. But it was not him. No, not at all. No, that was no. good. And then poor Trina's dead. Her exactly. Dead. Yeah, Trini passed away. Uh, Billy had a lot of horrible homophobic oh, God. stunts yeah. on uh, the entire cast and also staff was against him. 
Yeah. Uh, but John Young Bosch is uh, a famous voice actor. So mm -hmm. good for him. <laughs> All right. Uh, and now in our last segment, uh, Clark's got something. Watch out. Clark, I believe you have something. And yeah, we're watching out. I'm glad we didn't have too long for your spooky segment because I don't think this will be long, but it might be moderately. It oh, not could be bad, Caitlin. <laughs> Anyways, I have the, had them get paper and pen ready. Most of this stuff won't involve it, but I've got some questions for you. And it's some questions related to what we saw this week in comics. So number one, just to get us warmed up, how many fingers am I holding up off camera so you can't see them? Okay, great. Um, write it down, this, write it down, write is it this, down. Is this Shut your game? mouth and write it down. Yes, this is question number one. And is your thumb a finger? Yes. Mm, that changes everything. Don't okay. hold it up yet, Kaylin. All right, are you ready? Yeah. All right, show me, show me on your on your screen. Okay, the answers are four. Ryan, it's blending in. What is your it's, answer? It is three, though. It's four, three. five, and oh, Brent, you're on a different thing. Uh, one. Did you write fourteen? And you wrote no, three. No, it, the it's answer. It's number one. It's number one. Oh no, the answer is fourteen <laughs> for you. No, no, the answer is I have no fingers. <laughs> number two that is spooky, that is spooky. You, yeah. don't you don't have to write this one down i'll ask you in turn if i right. were to hook up with captain avalon slash brian braddock what would i do to him first Ooh. are anyone ready i'm ready all I'm right ready. ryan uh, you'd rant at him for 20 minutes at so some commercial you saw on the way to hang out with him mm -hmm. and how it was stupid and uh that you thought uh, the main actress in that commercial was uh, dumb. Okay, who's next? Kaylin, I think. Me. Yeah, uh, you would reverse colonize him. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you figure it out. That okay. segment was last week, Kaylin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Adam? Uh, I think you would uh, delicately, delicately kiss on the lips twice. He would say, are you sure you're ready? And you'd say, shut the fuck up and then push him <laughs> on the bed i don't need this consent shit oh god oh god let's move on faster he was asking you clark you were i know great... i don't need it i don't need to be asked brent i think you'd be wearing a white dress and a blonde wig and up and then say that uh his sister has to watch Oh God, uh -oh. Man, that sounds like the comic. <laughs> no, my answer was, was I would push him up against a wall in one of those things where you got like a leg in between a leg in between a leg, you know, where like your legs are together. So you sorry, can make wait, out wait, with sorry. your- Sorry, so, so you can what make. Do you, what do you have? <laughs> so you know how like one leg goes in between theirs so you can make out with them while your dicks are against each other? Yeah. Uh -huh. That's what I would do. But actually Ryan is correct. Ryan's answer is actually the correct one where I'd rant about some, some girl on a-, a commercial Thank so you. i'll give you a point ryan Thank you. all right number three this one's about the comics in this week's excalibur where did saturnine <laughs> touch captain avalon slash brian braddock when they did one of those numbers where they the comic couple kisses while the guy holds her from behind while she's facing the reader oh. the bonus question is does saturnine have that peekaboo vagina window thing where she puts her thighs together and there's that enough space between them to see daylight so where did cat? Where did where did where, you know that thing? Wait, wait, if what? You go back, if you I go lost back, the thread. If you go back and look at it, you might see. I don't know. What's the answer? The so where where did where did Brian where did uh, Saturnine touch him? And then do you see peekaboo vagina window? Do we have to write it down? You got to write uh, this down, please. Yeah. Wait, we have to write this one down. 
Well, have... the answer the answers are going to be um, a body part and yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what the fuck uh, is we, going on? Is my question. We can <laughs> also say. Yeah, I'm ready. Well, I'm ready. This entire segment is going to be that. Okay, Adam, go. Well, look, I, everyone, I'm, show I'm, me. I'm spooked. I wrote right titty and yes. I wrote legs and yes. All right, Kalen, what'd you write? I wrote neck and maybe. <laughs> All right, uh, oh, Brent. Good. Sure. One second. You just um, wrote shirt, her sure. Um, she she'll touch him on his starlight sword. Ooh. She was. She actually. She actually dropped her starlight sword at a time and touched the back of his head. So the body part's hey, not that exciting. But Clark, I wish you... I wish I wish she touched his right titty. So I'm giving Ryan that point. That was the my answer, point. The answer yeah, was is Adam. Yeah. No, it was Adam's, but I will give take it to Ryan. Ryan Adam. It to no, Ryan. I'm giving Ryan a point also. So the so so the answer is yes, you do see her peekaboo vagina window. You can Perfect. take a look at it. It's very gauzy. Can you had a question? Uh, I was just making a comment that if you wanna hear our uh, a review of Excalibur. Uh, and yes. the other X-Books that Clark's talking about, listen to our Crossing Swords episode, episode 161, which came out this past Friday. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great four, plug, Kevin. Clark, Clark, can you give like, can you say things that aren't in a monotone so that we know there's variation in your thoughts? No, 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 no. You'll no, get no, it I later. Like the, I like the monotone. Keep the monotone going. All right, so number four, this is something we'll talk about later. What is the name of the punk rocker in this week's Guardians of the Galaxy that the team constantly name drop? Oh, uh, Adam, 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 Adam. Ah, don't do it. The follow-up yeah, is the Kaylin, if you didn't know this, like you're fire. The, the follow-up is what Hanna Barbera character did I confuse the, the this person that we're mentioning for when I first learned about the punk rocker in high school? Ooh. Oh, I got this. Okay, I got this. Is everyone ready? I'm ready. Uh, uh, I think so. I think everyone should get the first one right because Kalen fucking said it. I'm not giving Kalen a point for that. (laughs) That's fine. I'll go first. Um, The first answer of the celebrity was the guy from Panic at the Disco, even though I heard Kalen's answer and I know it's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's a point. That's a point. Thank you. And then um, the second uh, answer is the girl from that very commercial from the very first question. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. <laughs> Adam, go. I had Adam Ant as uh, the original reference, and then Adam Ant Eater as the Hanna Barbera character. No, that part's not. Re- yeah. What? Well, uh, Kaylin. So uh, yes. Adam Ant, as I uh, blurted out earlier, but then Snagglepuss is the Hanna Barbera character because he's gay. He's gay <laughs> as fuck. I don't know if I could confuse those by name alone. Okay. Um. Ryan, I mean, whoever you are, Brent, Brent was Brent. the one who actually got it right. And he actually wrote up an Adam, Adam Ant, which actually is very correct. That's ah. no. oh. I'm giving everyone else one negative point, but then Ryan got one positive point, so he got zero for that. Sorry, All right. Is worse than who's lying. Yeah, for number five, yes. Number five, this is a Venom question. So in this week's Venom, is Eddie Brock super hot with a blonde lumberjack beard? If so, how hot? And for the follow-up, you also have to answer is how hot is Reed Richards' old man hermit gold miner beard? Hmm. Hmm. I gave you the answer to number one. No. But I'll give Brian extra points. Thank you. Um, I, I'd like to answer. I'm ready. Yes, please. 
Um, number one, uh, it, he's a nine because he could show a dick window, you know? Okay, all right, one of those, um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, also a number nine for Reed Richards because same same answer, actually, same answer. Oh, I thought you were going to say because that's how big his dick is. <laughs> I like yours. You get Taylor. a point. <laughs> he's, uh, I would say Eddie is very, very hot uh, okay. with the beard. Um, and Reed has a wonderful personality. Oh, that's <laughs> not nice. All right. Who was crazy? Uh, oh, Brent, go. Uh, so for the first... Brock's got that blonde bush cock, 14 out of 10, heckin' good doggo. And then Richards mm. gives toothless blowjobs. I would say a zero, zero out of zero, zero. But it, it, so, it's- So that's infinity? It's infinity. indefinite. You know what? Okay. Indefinite blowjobs. All right, Adam. Uh, I forgot how you described Reed Richards' beard, but I said that uh, Venom is so hot, he's hot enough to fuck Reed Richards' gold mech beard, is what mm. I wrote down. <laughs> And that Reed Richards is hot enough to fuck uh, that hot, hot Venom Blondie. Adam, you seem confused by your answer. I well, I did. I had a whole joke in my head, and I started writing it, and it did oh, not no. end well. But he, Venom is fucking so hot. Eddie Brock is so goddamn yeah, yeah. hot with a beard. He's great. So we actually answered this question. Everyone knows the answer to this question. And if you listen to our not 0.5, just listen to our 0 0.0 that comes out tomorrow, Friday. But that actually is negative. So this is a Monday. You're listening to this. So do it on Friday. Go back in time. All right. Anyways, so we all know the answer. In this week's issue of X-Men, we find out what Apocalypse's scarab sword is imbued with. What is it? Imbued with? Write it down, please that you already know the answer because we already talked about it. Um, are you ready? Because you already wrote it? All yeah. right, for Adam, go. Uh, it's imbued with 680,000 pounds of eternal sadness. That works. Grams, okay. grams. Grams, you That's fool. That's a fucking joke, 15, Kayla. 1,500 grams. 1500 pounds. All right, Brent. Uh, I think it's imbued with abandonment issues. Okay. Mm, that's also, yeah, I said Egyptian daddy issues is what okay, I wrote. that works. Kaylin? I just said scarabs. Yeah. <laughs> the power of a million pounds of scarabs. Could you imagine it? That's like, that's, that's creepy. The that last is. panel is Apocalypse like chopping at Annihilation and then the sword breaks and scarabs just burst down everywhere. That's my fucking nightmare. It's my fucking nightmare. So you got the answer wrong. The answer is external sadness, which is sadness you have outdoors when you cry in public and people don't know what to do, so they avoid you. And then some old woman comes up asking if you're okay, but you're crying because you're exhausted and just had a phone call with three people from Comcast for two hours where you had furious <laughs> but trying to keep your cool, so you were stern but as breezy as possible. And you tell the old woman that a family pet died and she tells you how hard that is. And then she gets a little misty talking about her Weimariner Bailey who died two years ago. And he was the sweetest and it doesn't stop hurting. So you give her a half smile through wet tears and you want to hug her, but it seems inappropriate. So you say thank you for stopping to say to ask if you're okay and it was very nice of her and you give her that half smile again say it's hard but thanks again and she's a bit misty and says of course I saw you hurting and couldn't pass you by and now you're walk now you've walked away and left her with some external sadness herself and that's why it's 1500 pounds <laughs> uh, yeah seven. I've been number on a seven. hike before yeah I <laughs> number seven. just wanted to say I had that written down draw a <laughs> 
Number seven, draw a picture of Sugar Man inappropriately touching a cat. Oh, yeah. You have one and a half minutes while I run off no. Sugar Man facts to make Dylan from House of X mad. <laughs> 1.5 minutes. Don't listen to what I'm saying. Did you know Sugar Man developed his cat fetish after a failed relationship with the Hellion's cat's eye? Did you know Sugar Man's real <laughs> name is Brett Sugarman? And that man used to have two ends, but the second one was removed when immigration authorities didn't give three shits when his grandparents were processed on Ellis Island in 1923. Did you know Sugar Man had a no-strings-attached relationship with Age of Apocalypse Dark Beast, but Sugar Man wanted more? Did you, know, did you know Sugar Man's greatest wish is for his sadly deceased mother, Janice Sugarman, to arrive and come to his doorstep, but not Janice for a lie? just her corpse because he wants to use it in sexy experiments. And finally, did you know Sugar Man can hold 361 fists in his mouth without gagging and he's done so on three separate occasions? You're done. That might've been in one and a half minutes, but probably That's not. Great. Stop drawing, stop drawing. Ryan, I can see your I'm pen. still drawing. No, you're done. done. Okay. okay, so... um. Uh, Kaylin, that's upsetting. It's a sad man in a box, and then there's an arrow to a cat that looks like shit. Okay. The box Adam. is sugar. The box is sugar. No, 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 no. Sad man. All right, Adam, please show that to me. I went very literal. He's just oh. fucking the cat. Okay, so it's an angry Kool Aid man sitting on top of a cat that's in a bucket. Okay. I think it's Brent, an elder god. Go. Okay. Uh, Why is that SpongeBob? It's, it's a sugar that's cube. That's it's good. a sugar cube, and, and yeah, he looks very good. His Sugar eyes are all googly, and he's about to lick something that actually looks kind of like a dog slash donkey. It's yeah. a goat. It's a baby kid. Okay, I see. I see. You you put too many words in. Okay, <laughs> you put it right. The word face, kid. Right? Your sugar right, man looks like a just terrifying Ryan's face. But also, for some reason, there's a seahorse behind it. Right, <laughs> I can see nothing. <laughs> My background is really mad, but it. Kayla. It, uh, Ryan, oh, stop. You lost. Clark, you lost Clark, points. Just give him the point. It looks like a nightmare. Okay, world. the winner is me. We're done. <laughs> okay, that was Clark. Rigged. That was something. rigged. That right. was rigged. Rigged election. Um, I don't know what that was. <laughs> I feel violated. I think that was the most chaotic. Of Clark's got something, and we should have watched out. I don't feel so. We should have. <laughs> Let's. I need an adult. Let's very quickly go through the comics. This week we had Venom number twenty-nine and Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. Uh, sure. Want to take Venom? Hey, I'll look. take them both. So uh, very quickly, even though we sort of talked about how hot Venom was uh, in the last issue, we found out that Codex is none other than Dylan, who's Eddie Brock's son, but it's all grown up in this timeline, and we got his backstory in this issue, which was kind of. Creepy and sad. And then uh, Mark Gagan, a.k.a. Virus, a.k.a. The Scorpion, attacks our team of heroes. Eddie and our version of Dylan subdue him, setting up the final battle with Codex next month. And it's sort of the last issue before we get the King of Black uh, storyline that uh, Donny Case has been building up to. What'd y'all think? Eh. Yeah, I, I think the biggest problem is that it's a obviously pocket dimension storyline so it's like if it was good if we were going to be here for like an x of swords length of time i think i could really get into it but it, it feels very um treading water 
Yeah, it feels very like TV two-parter where it's like some way to kick off a season and none of it really matters. And like, considering yeah. how great it's been, it, it just, they're just biding time, I think, until the, the King in Black shows up, right? So it, does it feel like the Weapon X series from 2017 that we were talking about on House of X Facebook group? Oh, yeah. 25 favorite. issues of House Treading of Water. House of X Facebook group that we love. We love <laughs> Facebook we do love we do love that Facebook group very much. Got to call uh, out Dylan a minute ago. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan, one of our favorites. Anyways, I think this issue is this whole little four issue thing is mostly about us trying to figure out who Dylan is and what he can do. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's all, I think that's really all we're headed for. That's and also, the only you know, purpose. kind of see dead mother, but not dead mother. I don't hate that it's this kind of like alternate universe. Um, and I think that stakes can still feel real. My bigger problem with it is that it feels very paint by numbers. Mm -hmm. that you're in an alternate universe. Yeah. Everything's the opposite. One person has powers. They become the villain. It, it, it doesn't have any creativity as storyline goes. Well, there's no, I think to your point, Brad, there's no real world building. Like they've done as little as they could. It actually feels very, uh, probably a little bit of an obscure reference for most listeners, but like, it feels like a very Kingdom Hearts Disney world. So like in Kingdom Hearts, you go to like basically a segment of storyline of a Disney movie essentially. And it's like literally the shortest, fastest, quickest version of that. And that's what this feels like. It feels like there's an actual story here that could have been x number of issues but it's just simply the truncated like you're you're on the ride or it's like it's like venom the ride like there was an entire plot line and they're like <laughs> we made a roller coaster out of it like that's all i feel like i'm really on if it, if it was a lesser book this would be an amazing storyline but venom has been consistently great that this just sort of feels yeah. oh it's okay it's okay it's totally. okay it's like well said uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so Guardians of the Galaxy number seven, um, which an issue I loved, I'll start off by saying that, but we're in a post-Empire status quo as the Guardians head to uh, Procinum, the location for the universe's Model UN. Novar, dressed as a dapper adamant that we talked about in Clark's crazy-ass corner, uh, represents the utopian faction of the Kree. And Richard Ryder is representing Earth. I love that his name is Dick Ryder and they made him straight. Um, there's some diplomacy type shenanigans as some friction develops between the new Kree Skrull Alliance and the Utopian Kree. Novar discovers a dying, uh, excuse me, a dying Emperor Stote of the Snark, that's how you pronounce it, who says that a shapeshifter killed him. Captain Valar, one of the Kree Skrull diplomats, discovers the scene, pulls a gun on Novar, but ends up shooting him, killing himself instead. <laughs> Kurt, the other Kree Skrull diplomat, discovers this scene and threatens to kill Novar. Uh, but then Rocket Raccoon shows up with the rest of the Guardians to investigate what exactly happened. Brent? This really pushed, I think, the maximum level of stupidness you can have in a storyline, and it still feel fun and wacky, because I think they still grounded it in the reality of um, the you know intergalactic environment of the Kree-Skrull War. I hated all the politics stuff back and forth, because I really felt like that was- I loved it. I thought it was yeah. least well handled, at least as far as like communication goes. It, it was like eight different conversations and none of them really had any kind of repartee, but each of the individual characters I thought really came through. Marvel Boy is you know working his way up in my ranks. Um, and I think that having Rocket come in as being this kind of like stupid film noir detective to like solve the case 
uh, I think is an excellent way of making sure the rest of the team is sticking around for a larger, you know, political event. Uh, I'm with you, Kaylin. I loved the sort of like political theater of it. I thought the whole issue was super interesting. Um, and I, you know, I just, I, I, but Brent, to your point, I love the, they're still like taking the, is the taking the piss out? Is that what the term is? Like, I just like that they're just like, <laughs> hey, whatever you're into. Yeah, I'm just glad that they're, I'm glad they're peeing all over the storyline. Um, yeah. No, I just, I just, I do like the kind of back, like it's serious, but also very, very comedic. It's a great tone, really superb writing and just overall a fun, fun issue. Clark? I like whenever um, a, a comic brings in all like the minor character, minor uh, space empires and stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any of their fucking names, but you know, the power pack horse people. And I wish they brought the diorates and just because they, they always end up showing up, but I don't know. I just like seeing minor teams and minor empires just appearing everywhere. Okay, totally. Really quick. Oh, go oh, ahead, yeah. Ryan. Yeah, we. Oh, I'm just gonna agree with Clark and say like I love seeing some horse people. Manticore <laughs> was really super yes. fun. Yes. Uh, I'd like to see all these characters like pop up just as cameo roles and like some other stuff more. Kayla. I was gonna say I thought the dire raids were part of Rom and Marvel couldn't use them no, anymore. No, they no they use the dire. Well, no Rom they can't use the dire raids. So Rom can't use a dire race, yes. Marvel can still no, use the dire race. No, the dire okay. have been used recently and actually Hickman was it Hickman's Fantastic Four? Yeah. He used them in the Fantastic oh. Four. Okay. I okay, then I, uh, I I misremembered. But the scene I really loved was at the very beginning, the conversation between Moondragon yes. and Philavel, where yeah. like I, I thought that was just so well done. It's like this person who you've loved for years is now merged with an alternate version of herself. And it's like, I don't know who you are anymore. It was so um melancholy and just like a very nice antidote to how wacky the rest of the issue was so um, al ewing is just phenomenal and i said this on our slack channel that like you know as much as i love donny cates uh his bridging series uh is now not nowhere as i don't love it as much as i love this series Mm -hmm. now and this issue cemented it for me uh because i feel like you know they've got they've kind of brought the faction of the guardians together they're like establishing themselves in this new status quo of the universe. Uh, all the political shit is just like so up my alley. Uh, I just love it. And we've got early days for Hercules and Marvel Boy. Kalen, knock us out of this. Uh, knock okay. us out of this. We've got five <laughs> well, minutes till the debate. <laughs> Kalen, go. Knock us out of this. Uh, well, uh, we've been Homo Superior. You can find us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Homer Superior Podcast on Instagram, Homer Superior X on Twitter, and then listen to us on Spotify, on iTunes, and SoundCloud. Uh, it's been my birthday. Thank you again, Brent, for bringing that up. And Woo! we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.